Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. I want to give you a little insight into my life, my personality, um, and I believe one of the things that drives me in my life with the Lord, and it's that I enjoy living dangerously. A, um, a well-lived life, a well-lived life is not about being safe and not failing. A well-lived life is not about being safe and never failing. It's about how we roll when we crash. It's about how we walk after we get up and who we walk with. And the best will fail the most. And look at the people that are great successes. They'll tell you that. The best will fail the most. And you can't be afraid of failure. George Washington, he's the founder of our country. Do you know he lost more battles than he won? <laughs> I don't know how Martha felt about that every time she comes home and word gets around the community. Oh, George lost another one. You think he should be the president? <laughs> I don't know. Thomas Edison, we know his story. He scrapped more inventions than he ever had. What's Babe Ruth famous for? Strikeouts. He, hold, he held the strikeout record for more than 30 years. Oh, yeah, yeah, he had a lot of home runs, too. But he had more strikeouts than any other person in the major leagues for 30 years straight. You miss every shot you don't take, right? <laughs> so, life is risky. Business is risky. Failed at business, defeated in the legislature, failed again, filed bankruptcy. President Abraham Lincoln filed bankruptcy. Elected, to the le- uh, elected finally, but then his sweetheart died, had a nervous breakdown. Defeated for speaker, defeated for elected, elector, defeated for Congress, ran again, defeated again, defeated for Senate, defeated for the vice presidency, defeated for Senate again, and then finally elected as the president. A lot of failures. I failed, gonna give up. Mm-mm. I wanna encourage you today to live dangerously. You'll be surprised, at least if you're in this house for any length of time, we don't, we don't capitalize on your failures and use that as an opportunity to beat you up and say you can't do something now because you failed. We say, listen, at least you tried. At least you tried. So what's interesting is this parable of the talents has been reoccurring in my life for some time. And even after I wrote what I wanted to tell you this morning um, on, I think it was on Tuesday of this past week, it was on Thursday, I think, when the parable of the talents was in our morning devotional. I'm like, okay, thank you, Lord. You're not going to let me up. Now, we've talked about the parable of the talents several times before, and one of the most impactful things for me um, in, in, an, in an understanding of this parable is also a heavenly perspective that it's God's investment in the earth that God, you are the talent that God believes can do something in this earth. And so that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. But I want to take another perspective on the, on the parable this morning and see that it is what we can do for God with our talents. So if you're unfamiliar with the, with the parable, it's in Matthew 25, and it's like 15 verses long, and look at that. The sound room is all, the production room is all ready to, to do that, and, and we, we can leave that up there, guys, if you want. But I'd like uh, Cheryl and Ryan and Lexi to come up here to the platform for a second, because sometimes we remember things that we see a little bit better. So they're, they're going to be my servants, and I'm the wealthy landowner, okay? And this is my checkbook. Back in the day, I didn't, I didn't write checks. Back in the day, um, um, hi, back in, I want you right over here, and I want you right over here. I don't need anything else than you guys to be my servants. Okay. There you go. Just got it. 
Back in the day, I didn't have a checkbook. I had bags of money and gold. And so, because you're my wife, I'll give you five. This is how the parable goes, that the wealthy landowner had three servants. And according to their giftedness, according to their talents, he gave them money. In the Bible, they call it talents, uh, because that's a form of money back in the day. But we'll, and some modern translations, I don't know if the New Testament, I think the NLT, let's go through that. Again, the kingdom of heaven, next verse. Next verse, you know, those, oh, bags of silver. So here's one, two, three, four, five bags of silver for you. To this one here, my son-in-law, he'll get two. He already has the most expensive thing I've ever, ever produced in my life. <laughs> this is my daughter. <laughs> yes, he says most valuable. I said most expensive. I guess, I guess there's, a, there's a difference. So I'm going to give, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give uh, Senior Ryan uh, two, two bags. And Lexi, Lexi's going to get one bag. Oh, Very t- Well, no, nonetheless, you get a, at least you get a bag, my dear. Right? Okay. All right, so the, the parable goes like this, that the, wealth, the wealthy... Uh, um, landowner has entrusted his servants and then he says okay guys I'm going away on a long journey I'm going to be back so please put these things to work and so they they go away and uh, he goes away and it happens over a long time there's, it says there's a long time and then he does come back and then he says oh let's see how we did right and so he says okay guys I'm back come on back come on up here Let's see how we did to the five. Come up here, Mr. Two. Come up here, Miss One. All right. And to the five, I said, well, there I see. How many do you have? One, two, three, four, and five. But, oh, wait a second. One, two, three, four, five. So with five, you got five more. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. So, Mr. Two, how did you do? I got my two back. That's wonderful. Oh, oh, oh. One. Doubled your money as well. Congratulations. Well done, good and faithful servant. Go ahead, enter into my rest. Hey, Missy. Hi. How you doing? Good. <laughs> I gave you one. Let's see what you got. One. Just one. You gave me one. Just one. Yeah. No more. No, just one. Oh. See, she knew that I was a cantankerous kind of person. (laughs) And I wouldn't take kindly to her losing my money. So she went into her backyard. She dug a hole and she kept it there. She reproduced the one I gave her. But she didn't risk it for the biscuit. She didn't go out and invest what it was that she was given. Thank you, Lexi. And so what the, what the landowner did is he took the one from the one who had one and gave it to the one who had 10. Yeah, baby. <laughs> That's how the parable goes. Here's your, take, here's your take home moment right here. The aha. You know this, and that is how faith is spelled. R-I-S-K. Yeah. It's just another way of saying that you stepped out. Amen. This is a parable all about risk. When we grow into adulthood, we try to play it safe. But life is about risk. My wife and I um, were on a cruise many, many years ago, about, oh, 13 years ago, to be exact as I think. We cruised the Mediterranean for our 25th wedding anniversary. While we were there, they had a dance competition, and I know I don't look like a dancer, but I used to be a dancer back in the day, and uh, light of foot, and they had this competition on the cruise, a dance competition. 
where if you wanted to be in the competition, you had to sign up, and then they assigned you one of the staff on the cruise line to be your partner. My wife said, you should do that, you should do that, you should do that. Okay, fine. So the evening came, and we were assigned a, a partner, and it was in the ballroom, and everybody was in there, and then those of us who had signed up were assigned a person, and we had to do dances. They'd play a song, and we danced with our partner. And then the captain would come around, he'd tap you on the shoulder if you were no good, and that was the sign you had to go sit down, right? So after about five or six songs, everyone was eliminated except me and another person and our partners, right? Miles. <laughs> right, right. So everyone was eliminated. And so, you know, under the bright spotlights of the cruise ship, um, they informed us that we were going to have a dance-off and that they were going to play music, but the music would change every 15 seconds in style or every 30 seconds in style. So it would go from bop to ragtime to, to whatever, disco to polka to swing. And I know all, I, I, can do all, I can do all those styles. And um, so I, I felt comfortable in that. And my, my little partner, I don't know, you know, she's like Julie on the love boat, you know what I mean? She's just a little thing. And, and I said, okay, we got this, we got this. And my spirit of competition arose. <laughs> I hate to lose. Hate to lose. Back in the day when we had a softball team, they wouldn't let me play because I was too competitive. And my wife didn't want me to play because I would hurt myself. So they made me the third base coach, which meant everybody that came around second, I'm like, go for it. You got it. You got it. Go, go. I hate to lose. So the music started. The music started. We're back to the ship now. The music started, and we're dancing. We're doing good, and they're kind of do, changing the songs. We're doing great. But they go to this, this 50s song, you know, Bill Haley and the Comets or something. And I said, I got you. I said, I got you. And I'm gonna, we're going to do the hip to hip to up, legs straight up in the air. Because I felt confident in her abilities. I had been dancing with her now for 30 minutes. I said, we got this. Let's do this. And so we went for it, man. Boom, boom, and up and over. We both, we both landed hard on the dance floor, on the wood parquet floor of the Royal Caribbean. And then we slid, yes, we slid. But we got up and we finished the dance. But needlessly, we didn't win. That's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is that we got back up and we finished, right? And uh, I'll tell you another little side story because we have just a minute is that it was two years later, we were cruising the Caribbean, and this big black gentleman came up to me at the breakfast buffet. I'll never forget, he goes, he goes, hey, I know you. I said, you do? He goes, yeah, you're the one that fell on that uh, cruise. You're the one that fell on that cruise on the Mediterranean. I said, yeah, because after I fell that night, you know how they do, if you've been on a cruise, they close caption, or they close circuit television everything. They ran me falling on the television. <laughs> in the staterooms for weeks, for days, rather. It was, it, it was terrible. But the older we get, the, last, the less we dance because we risk falling in the natural, right? I used to think those little handrails next to the toilet in the shower were silly. Now I'm very thankful that they're there. Right? It's just, it's just strange. So here's the serious question. I mean... We're not, we're not prone to take chances, but if you really want revival, I mean, who wants revival, right? We all want revival. Well, that's when God shakes us from our place of safety. And so that's a serious question to contemplate. Safety, security, peace of mind, quiet, warm milk by the fire. That's not a life lived out loud for Jesus. There's not a whole lot of dangerousness who is 2%? Who would skim them? No, no. The warm milk by the fire is not living dangerously. And the world, the world programs us to be safe. Are you safe? You got a home safety system? Do you have peace of mind? Live safe. Make your world small. Just you and all this. When in fact, we should live 
dangerously. I'm an advocate of living dangerously. And if you really consider yourself a Christian this morning, I think you ought to find yourself on the continuum of being a risk taker more on this end out here of being, let's do this. We could do that. If God really is who he says he is, and if he's really on my side like he says he is, why, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we give that a try? If he says, do it, let's do it. So the t- parable of the talents is less about using your talents wisely and more about risking everything, I think. Here's, let's, go back to the, let's go back to the parable, Charlie. Um, who's running slides today. In Matthew chapter 25, in verse 15, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags to another, one bag to the last, dividing them in proportion to their abilities, and then he left on his trip. Then the servant, verse 16, who received the five bags of silver did what? Began to what? Began to what? Say what? He did what? He did what? He invested them. In other words, he did what? He took a risk. I mean, if you've ever been to a financial advisor, they, do, they have you take a risk assessment. Like, how inclined are you to be okay with risk? That's what that's all about. And based on that is how we will invest your money. So these people knew that this, this landowner was going to expect some return on his investment. And the only way to do that was to risk it. To put it, I mean, they could have lost it all. None of them lost it all, but they could have lost it all. So the servant who received the five bags, verse 16 of silver, began to invest. So the first two workers took their risk. They laid it all on the line. Not the last one. There was no risk there. If you've got it in a coffee can in your backyard, there's not a lot of risk there. In Revelation chapter 3, there's a church called Laodicea in the town of Laodicea, and they were very comfortable. They were fine just where they were, right in the middle. Lukewarm is what it's called. The middle of the road, I had a a professor in school say, listen, don't be in the middle of the road. That's where yellow lines and dead skunks are. (laughs) You got a yellow line running right up your back if you're in the middle. Yella, yeah, yella belly, right? Isn't that what they used to call you? Coward. I mean, if, you walk, if you're trying to walk down the middle of the road, you're going to get hit by traffic going either direction. You know what I'm saying? Don't do that. I want you to step over, even if it's 1% past the middle of the road, and get a little more risky with your faith. Well, I'm a prayer warrior, Pastor. I just sit in my closet. That's great. We need prayer warriors, but that doesn't excuse you from being risky. I mean, I like Moses. I like the story of the Red Sea, right? There was some risk there, right? Moses says, come on, guys, let's go through the Red Sea. That's not how the story began, though. The story began like this. Moses was praying, oh, God, what are we going to do? God, deliver us. And God comes to him and says, hey, get up. Get moving. You don't remember that? You don't remember that in the story? In Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. I mean, Moses is down on his knees. He's praying. And God says, hey, hey, hey. Get up. Get going. Like through the Red Sea? It's not even open yet. So it's my responsibility today to tell you to get moving. Some of you just sitting there like a lump on a log, spiritually speaking. I mean, your, your, your risk, your, your tolerance for risk is so small. In fact, you probably haven't even risked anything lately, maybe, if that's you. And this, this, this right now, I'm trying desperately not to have it bounce off your forehead and to have it land on the floor and the janitor sweeps it up on Monday. I want you to ingest what I'm telling you because you're not going to make it as a Christian if you're not willing to take a risk. Cross the Red Sea of your fear. Step out. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. How do I know that? Because if you're saved, you took that step. 
You took that step because you didn't know. You didn't know. I mean, you knew as best as you could know, but no one fully knows. There, why? Because we're saved by grace through faith. There has to be an element of I don't know, but I'm still gonna in this thing called salvation. It doesn't happen automatically. It happens by an act of your will when you say, okay, been hanging around these people long enough. You know, if you, if you hang around the river long enough, you're gonna get wet, right? You're gonna, you're gonna fall in. Well, some of you, and, and some of you just need to just jump in. You know why? Because sometimes people that are in the spirit, you know, they're down here and they're jumping, they got their hands raised or whatever, and you, you cop a little bit of a spirit of offense. That's like people coming to a pool party fully dressed. Now, if you have a pool at your house and you have a pool party, you expect people to come in swimming suits. But they come instead fully dressed. And they sit right at the edge of the pool. And here's these silly kids. Here's these other people. And they're all splashing around and having fun. And you're getting wet. And you're going, uh, 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 I can't believe you're splashing me. I can't believe you're splashing me. How inconsiderate. Uh, you came to a pool party, ladies and gentlemen. You must expect to get wet. So some people come to church every week and they want to tamp down anything that thinks they're going to get wet. We call it the opposite of that in the spirit realm. We call it fire. They don't get burned, right? I, I, I have very little problem with wildfire because generally there's enough wet blankets around to put it out, right? So when you, there, is, there is something in your life right now that the Lord's saying, you know what? He's, he's touching you. He's reminding you right now that thing that you were supposed to do, that place you were supposed to go, that person you were supposed to visit, that letter you were supposed to write, that class you were supposed to take. And you don't like me. In your spirit, you're saying, Eric, move on. Move on. What's the next point? This is the point. The point, and if you're convicted, listen, I'm not doing it. I'm just saying words. If you're convicted, that's the Holy Spirit right now convicting you He's reminding you of something he already told you. And I'm just here as a conduit saying, why don't you risk it? What, what, just take your five talents and go invest them somewhere. Put them in that, in that pot. Take the risk. Well, the church is supposed to be a safe place. It's called a sanctuary. And a sanctuary means there's no dangers, there's no risks. Wrong. What that means is this is the safe place to take risks. Amen. Or should be. It's not always that way in churches because some people step out, they take a risk, and then everybody slaps them down because, because it's the nail that sticks up that gets hit, right? And if you are a wet blanket, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. <laughs> risk takers using their talents well what do they look like well they look like the 12 disciples they look like Peter they look like Paul they look like Abraham by faith Hebrews 8 11 or rather 11 8 by faith Abraham when called went to a place he labored received his inheritance obeyed and went even though he didn't know where he was going the Lord came to him and said you need to get up and get going well, where are we going I'll tell you later just get up and get moving like the Lord told Moses. Joshua and the walls of Jericho. I mean, we know what happened, but imagine Jericho. You want me to tell them what, Lord? March around the wall? Don't say anything for seven days? I mean, my wife can't not say something for seven minutes. <laughs> not my wife, his wife. Joshua, Joshua's wife. She says, Lord, my wife. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Levity, ladies and gentlemen, right? So imagine the Lord comes to you and says, get up and go do this. And it's never been done before. I mean, there's a little bit of a risk as a leader leading your people to march around a, a, a city. There's some risk. Yeah. Ezekiel and his visions. Jacob when he became Israel. Daniel in the lion's den. No, I'm not going to bow to the golden idol. I'm not going to. You know what that's called? It's not called faith. It's called risky business. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, same issue. Joseph in Pharaoh's court. Mary saying to the angel, okay, be it unto me as you have said. 
She could have said, ah, no, mm -mm, you need to find somebody else. But Mary's response to the angel was, be it unto me, I'm willing to take the risk, be it unto me just as you said. That's pretty monumental. How about she goes home and tells Joseph? Joseph took a risk. You, you what? He said, what? You still want me to marry you what? Yes, yeah, that was a risk. I didn't have a relationship with, with her, but she's pregnant. Imagine the communal fallout over that and the risk that he took. Zacchaeus, Mary and Martha, Nicodemus, I mean, the list is endless. Joseph of Arimathea, wealthy man, said, let, let, let this person who is hung on a cross, this criminal, put him in my expensive tomb. There's a risk socially there. I mean, I could just keep going. One of my favorites is Timothy getting circumcised. If you don't know the story, the Jerusalem council had already happened and people said you don't have to be circumcised. As a, as a, as a Gentile, you don't have to be circumcised. You, have to, you don't have to pass through Judaism in order to be a Christian. That was a heresy back in the day. Okay, the Jews said, okay, we'll, we'll open this whole thing up to Christians, but what they have to do is they have to become Jews first and then they can be Christians. That, that, that's how it began to play out. And, and, and so they were saying what has to happen is these guys have to be circumcised first. And then it all came down, they don't have to be circumcised. So all that played out. And then Paul's on a missionary journey. And Timothy says, I want to go with you. Paul says, okay, you can come with us. But we're about to ready to go minister to some Jews. So it'd be a good idea if you were circumcised first. Wait a second. The law says I don't have to be. He says, yeah, I know. But, you know, for sake of who we're going to minister to, you need to get circumcised if you're coming with it. Timothy says, okay. There's a little bit of a risk there. I mean, the, the list is endless. Timothy, uh, Peter, rather, preaching to the Gentiles. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 419, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Any fishers in the house? That's a risky business. You don't know. You don't know how the day's going to turn out. You're investing your time. You're just investing your energy. You're investing your finances. You don't know. There's a risk there. And I'll make you what? Riskers, uh, uh, seekers, fishers of men. He didn't say, follow me. It's going to be a risk-free life from here on out. That's not what he said. In fact, all but one, Judas, all but one, died a martyr's death. So this leads me to my... to my second thing I want to impress you with this morning. And that's the mantra of safety second. Safety second. We always say safety first. Safety first. No. Safety cannot be your primary goal. And the Lord convicted me of this many years ago after I had my daughter. Because my prayers would be, oh God, she's going to go somewhere. She's going to go to this thing. She's going to go on an outing. She's going to a friend's house. Then later in life, she's going to school or whatever. And oh Lord, today be with Hannah. Keep her safe. That seemed to be kind of where I went with that prayer all the time. And the Lord just jacked, just, mm, just, he, he, he ripped the slack right out of my chain. He went, what are you doing why is that? Why are you praying that to be the primary purpose of your prayer today? How about the primary purpose of your prayer be to be, oh Lord, move in her life today. Let her hear my voice and be obedient to my voice today. Because sometimes I lead my people into dangerous situations. So if all you pray for is safety, she will have safety as her God and not me. What? Yes, Eric, you need to stop it and stop it right now. Safety second is my cry. Well, then what's first? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all that other stuff, her safety, if that is necessary in the circumstance, that will be added to it. Here's a short list of people who put safety second. 
Martin Luther, John Wesley, John Wycliffe, John Haas, Harriet Tudman, Florence Nightingale, Derek, uh, Frederick Douglass, Rosa Parks, Paul Revere, John Hancock, Winston Churchill, Martin Luther King Jr., Oscar Schindler. Well, those are all famous people. The reason they're famous is because they put safety second. Nicholas Winton. He saved as many Jews as uh, um, Schindler did. You don't know that name? You don't have to be famous. Listen, if your goal is famous, uh, get on TikTok. So we move from, from, from riskiness early in life, physically, and also spiritually. I mean, when you're a brand new born again Christian right out of the chute, man, I'm telling you, it's like Barney bar the door. What do you want to pray for, huh? Need a million dollars? I'll pray a million dollars for you right now. We'll call it down from heaven right now. Huh? Oh, you were the same way when you first got saved. Your car didn't start or died down on, on, on Veterans Parkway and Jefferson. Well, you didn't care. You got out of your car. Everybody had to stop behind. You're outside laying hands on your car right now. In the name of Jesus, this car will start. You didn't care. But then as you grew older, you became more risk aversion. Let me explain. We lower our risk and we manage our fear by becoming venture capitalists. You know what a venture capitalist is? A venture capitalist is someone, oh, this is what you want to do? That sounds like a risky thing, but I'm willing to take a risk on you. Here's the money. You go do it. That's what venture capitalists do. They say, you go do it. I'll invest. I think that's a good idea. Missionary work? Yeah, that's a good idea. Going to Bible school? Yeah, that's a good idea. Taking a mission trip? Yeah, that's a good idea. I will be a venture capitalist, spiritually speaking, in your life. Is anybody tracking with me okay? You you know where I'm headed with this? Are you already preaching the sermon to yourself? Right, right, right. We become venture capitalists in the spirit realm. The older we get, we say, oh, yeah, leave it to those young kids. And, oh, I'll invest that. No, 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 no. Don't make me rehearse the list of people in the Bible that were over 70 or 80 when God did something fresh and new with them. Why? Because it was safety second. They said, okay, I'm going to go for it. I guess I'm just going to do it. So we should be venture disciples, not venture capitalists. We live the adventure. The Lord's calling you to stop seeking, even worshiping this God in our country today called the God of comfort and to get dancing, to take the risk. Only those who risk going too far can possibly find out how far you can go. You'll never know. I wish... I don't want that to be one of my last sentences on my dying bed, right? I wish, I wish. Not opportunities you took and failed. You'll be regretting the opportunities you never took. On your deathbed, you'll be regretting regretting the opportunities you never did that you never took instead of the ones that you took and failed. Mark my words. But good dancers have a trick to their stability. It's called a rosin. It allows them to do more daring things because it keeps them kind of sticky to the floor. And you can reach out and you can do things that you couldn't do if you didn't have this rosin. And for you and I, Jesus is our rosin as we, you know, roll in it and rub it all over ourselves. That's what single people need to know. It's what young married couples need to practice what every parent needs to tell their children, it's okay, it's okay to do dangerous things carefully. I have a little video for you. 90 seconds. Let's play it.
kids tough, which they better be if they're going to survive in the world. You can't interfere when they're doing dangerous things carefully. Think about it that specifically, dangerous things carefully. Yep. That's such a place where kids learn. That is the only place they learn. That's where everyone learns everything. When you're doing dangerous things carefully, man, that's where you learn. And so you interfere with that. You interfere with the process by which your children expand their competence. And it takes courage not to interfere with that. When you see your three-year-old daughter climbing up the monkey bars, our daughter used to do that in our backyard. She was three and the monkey bars were eight feet high. Mm -hmm. She liked to go right to the top and mm -hmm. climb across them. And we're watching out the back window thinking, mm, but what do you do? We want to run out there. Be careful. Yeah. There's a bit of malevolence in that. Oh, my daughter's worrying me. I'll go out there and take care of her. But I'll mm. startle her. Then she'll fall. Well, that'll fix her. She won't do that again. She won't make me nervous. You got to watch those things. Those it's not, not about good. them. It's about you. Yes, that's for sure. That's what you got to ask yourself. Am I taking care of my child or am I just afraid to be afraid for them? There's no excuse for that. I'm not afraid to be afraid for you. As your pastor, I'm asking you, do dangerous things carefully. Well, what does it mean carefully? Well, what does the word mean? It means full of care, right? That's what it means. Full of care. Care that lost and dying people are going to hell and you're doing something about it. The addicted, the abused, the fatherless, the orphans, they need care. The widows need care. They need to know they're loved. This is us. This is Destiny Church. Doing dangerous things. But full of care. Full of care. <clears throat> Stain-resistant clothes are amazing. <laughs> but really uncomfortable. You may look like, you may look nice, you may like looking nice. Don't get anything spilled on me in the spirit realm. I gotta be careful. I'm like, it's okay. What do you tell your little kid when they get a little bit of mud on them and they run inside? They go, I got mud on my, get back outside, enjoy the day. Get back on those monkey bars. That's why God invented washing machines. Or you say, how dare you got mud on your, on your pants? Well, mom, you sent me out to play in the mud. How dare you got mud on your pants? Get in here. Take those clothes off. Sit there and play your video games. No, you want your kid to get out, right? This is what Jesus is telling you. Don't worry about stain-resistant clothing. You may look nice at the end of the day, but you didn't live dangerously. It's been said that life should be a journey to the grave with the intention of right uh, with uh, let me start over life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arrive, arriving safely in a pretty and a well-preserved body no but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke thoroughly messed up totally worn out loudly proclaiming wow what a ride <laughs> now the three people that we were talking about in our example earlier, two of them were risk takers. And I think you may have already gotten ahead of me. Those bags of silver that they had. That they went away and invested. Let's say they truly invested them carefully in what the master was concerned about. And they came back and they said, I invested it, but I lost it. Had you, had you already gone there in your mind? Had you, had you wondered? Me too. Me too. I believe if they would have lost it all, should they have invested it? Full of care, carefully, as the master would have wanted them to, he would still have said, well done. Because you would be skidding in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, but with your hands lifted in praise to the Lord. I did it for you. I did my best. See, God, here's the deal. God wants less. God's investment in you is less about you succeeding 
and more about you being obedient in the process of him leading you. Because do you think the master only had five bags of silver? No. He's the master. He owns everything. He wanted them to go invest it. And one of them didn't. But you see, the other two who did, who lived dangerously, who considered safety second, even though they knew it was a harsh master, they said, we're going to risk it for him. How pleased will he be? Now, should they have lost it all and still had the right heart, he would have said, well done. You tried. You did it. How do I know that? Because that's how you treat your children. If they do whatever you ask them to do and their heart is pure about it, or they do things that, and, and they, that you didn't even ask them to do, but their heart was to please you, and then they went and screwed it up and they messed it up. Hey, Dad, I tried to cut the grass. Okay, that's a good example, because my dad was like grass crazy. I'm out there. I'm like, what am I? I'm three years old. He's teaching me to cut the grass, right? I'm his eldest son. He finally gets to rid himself of that burden of cutting the grass. So I don't know how old I am. I'm, I'm the oldest, so I got to learn to cut grass at, I can barely walk probably. And you know, the mower's up here, you know, you're pushing the mower like that. Anyway, imagine, imagine you want to please your dad. And while he's at work, you go, okay, I'm going to try to cut the grass. So you cut the grass and the lines aren't straight. Like if your dad's a neurotic, got to be straight lines. Does your dad yell at you? How dare you do that? No, he says, man, thanks for doing that. Or he, they, your kid goes out and washes your car. You didn't want your car washed. Now there's spots on your car. Do you yell at you? No, the kid was trying to love you. You shouldn't be yelling at your kid. He said, thank you so much for, for doing that. And then you go out and you wipe the water spots off your car. If you're a good parent, unless you're a stupid parent, sorry. you start, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Right? No, no. The art of management is always catching them doing something right, reinforcing the right thing. Hello? Right? Yeah, there may be some subtle, hey, let me come out, let's do it together next time, or let me show you, blah, blah, blah. And subtly, subtly you're instructing them rather than correcting them because their heart was to please you. Why are you yelling at them? That's how, that's how God is with me. If I do something and I screw it up, I go, God, I, I tried. I only wanted to please you, right? That's because we have a good, good father. You may not have had a good father. Maybe you even weren't a good father, but you have a good father. So don't be afraid. Step out. He's not going to hold it against you if you fail. I'm not going to hold it against you. This church won't hold it. Go do it. Go change the world. So many people's wild dreams never become a reality because they never had a wild dream. See, I told you I was going to open my heart to you a little bit today, tell you a little bit about how I think. This is our mission, to reject the false God of comfort and to be risk takers with the talents that the Lord has placed in your hands. That's what I want to tell you today. I can't make you. I can only encourage you. And if you continue to come here and you continue to call this your home, this is going to be a resounding ringing of a bell in your ears because you just can't sit here and call yourself a Christian. You've got to be trying to affect a difference in the life of your neighbor. I could just tell you some crazy stories about all of that in the life of your neighbor or at your workplace it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be Moses in the Red Sea what is your little what is your little Red Sea of fear the Lord saying stop talking to me about that and get up and go do that well I don't have enough money I do I don't have enough time the Lord says I do I made time hello well, I don't have enough, I don't, I don't. And you start making a list of all the reasons that it can't happen. What's wrong with that? That's not a life of faith. Yes, okay. I know he told me. Whew, that's a big one. Okay, here we go. And I'm not asking you to get from here to the mall miraculously just picked up and transported there. What you're gonna have to do is you have to get in your car. First, you have to make up your, I'm just, 
This is, this is Christianity 101. So many people want, well, this is what it needs to be done. And you're asking, Moses asking for the Red Sea to part. He looked up after God said, get up, get moving. And the Red Sea was still in front of him. Your problem's not going to evaporate tomorrow should you make a decision today to have it go away. It's just not. But you have to take the next step. What is the next step? Oh, what is it? Uh, well, I don't have enough money. Okay, cancel Netflix. All right. That's not hard. Can't, can't, I mean... I would love for you to bring, when, when God tells you what you need to do, and you, and you need to do that, I would love for you to bring your list of excuses to me, and then I'll just hand you a Bible, and then you'll be done. I mean, that's what, I mean, I could preach forever, I don't have much time, but I'm going to tell you this, I mean, Moses tried his list of excuses, and God cut him off every time he tried. I can't talk, here's Aaron. I'm not smart, I can't speak, and, uh, and every time. What if Moses, what if Pharaoh doesn't believe me? Come on. Why are you putting more faith in your fear than in God? It can be done. I know some of your struggles. I know some of your journeys. I know some of what you're trying to do. I'm, I applaud you. Here's the I can't do it for you. You can come to me and tell me your dream, and here's what I'm going to do. Yes, absolutely. God told you that? Yeah. Then you need to go for it. That's going, to be my, that's going to be my take. It's not going to be, well, let me do that for you. Let me help you do that. Because I have my own things that God is doing with me. Somebody's done it, David and Tommy Lee. Now, we want to take care of uh, halfway. We want to do a halfway house. We want to get a 501c3. And we want to start ministering to drug addicts, former drug addicts, and so on and so forth. And what do I do? That's awesome, David. You should do that. You should go for that. I can't do it for him. So what does he do? He goes and gets a house. He rehabs it. He's making it a halfway house. He's got his 501c3. Last week came in the mail. He's da-da-da-da-da. And going to da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Making a difference. Taking a risk. Taking a risk. Somebody ought to do something about all these abortions. Somebody ought to adopt some kids. You ought to adopt some kids. Okay, well then go adopt six kids from Columbia. Congratulations, cooks. What do you do? You come to me. We're going we're gonna to go do this. We're going to go do this. You know, yes, we helped in some minor way financially, not in any kind of major way, but as a church, as a church body. But for the most part, we're like, yes, yes, way to go. Congratulations. But let's say that fell apart. I don't hold that against you. I mean, obviously it succeeded. You got six Colombian kids. Let's say your thing fell apart and didn't, didn't work. I don't hold that against you. At least you tried. I told my wife more than once, that's what I want on my tombstone. At least he tried. Huh? <laughs> Dangerous. Dangerous. Stand up with me today. How many want to live dangerously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me see. Let me see your raise of hands. How many want to live? Oh, that makes my heart so happy. That makes my heart so happy. So here's the deal. You say you want to. You say you want to live dangerously. What is it? What's the dangerous thing for you? What is that? Well, there's only two categories of you here today. Those who are born again, love Jesus, saved, and those who are going to get born again and saved. So if whatever category you're in, if you're not yet living a life for Jesus, the first, the first risky thing you got to do is step over the faith line. I mean, no one ever boxes until they get in the ring. You only practice it, my friend. You're not boxing. And as long as you can touch bottom in the pool, you ain't swimming. So you got to, it comes a point in your life, you got to step out, jump off the edge of the pool, get in the ring, boom, boom, boom. Now you're boxing. Now you're boxing. Now you're fighting. You can read all the cookbooks in the world, but until you open those cupboards and you start getting out the ingredients, you're nothing. You're not a cook. You're not a cook. You're a connoisseur of books. You can read the Bible all day long. But until you open the cupboard of your life and start taking out the talents that he's invested in you. And let's say, ah, the cake fell flat. The cookies didn't taste good. At least you tried. And you're a cook. I don't care what anybody else says, you're a cook. 
So the first step is, if you're not saved, step over that line. Say, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm going to give it a try. That's all he asks. Give your life to Jesus. There'll be a prayer for that in just a second. And the rest of you who say, yes, I do love Jesus. I'm born again. He's my Lord and Savior. My ask for you this morning is, what is it? Don't leave today not having done some sort of inventory in your heart. You're going to have just a moment to do that. To say, yeah, that's what he's calling me to do next. You may have a grand vision for the Red Sea parting. You may have a grand vision for getting to the mall today, but you're going to have a series of red lights between here and there. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. If you waited till every light was green, you'd never go to the mall. What's the next step? Whatever the next step is, that's what you're going to be called to do. So let's pray. Father, this morning, right now in this minute, there are those who need to step over the line and get right with you. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, stir their hearts right now. If that's you and you're ready to take that step of faith into the kingdom of God, on the count of three, just raise your hand up. One. Two, three, boom. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Awesome. You can put your hand back down. Probably 10 or 12 people. Thank you, Lord, for those who are willing to take the risk today. Let me tell you from my heart to yours, you will never be disappointed in God. He'll always be with you. He may not always do exactly what you want him to do, because if he did, that would mean you were God. So there are times that he says, my priority for you is not comfort. My priority for you is to seek first the kingdom. So Father, for those who raised their hand this morning, for all of us, we put our life into your hand. And right now, this moment, we purpose to serve you the rest of our life with your help in Jesus' name. And Lord, for the rest of us who are in a faith walk with you and we're ready to do the next thing and take a, take a risk. Lord, illuminate that to our heart right now. And being reminded of it, Lord, is not doing it. So give us the courage to do it, to step out, to take that next step, to get where you called us to be so that we might be found in the great cloud of witnesses on that day and here when we come sliding in sideways in a, in, a, in, a, in a cloud of dust. Well done. Well done. Well done. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. And keep you on the edge of your seat. Live on the edge. If you're not living on the edge, you're just taking up space. And may he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.